All right, uh, let's get into, or well, I guess we should say welcome back to another episode of Flip the Record. Yeah, welcome to episode 47 <laughs> of Flip the Record. Yeah. So on this episode, we'll be covering the ticket mo- tick, ugh, Live Nation Ticketmaster Monopoly uh, issue. There's been a lot of talk recently with the Taylor Swift uh, era's tour kind of meltdown that happened with the Ticketmaster site. Um it's an issue that's been going on for a long time with musicians, and I think it's interesting because this affects everybody who ever wants to go see any kind of show, really. Um, and it's kind of like a, a stark, like, I can't think of any other companies that find themselves in, in this position on such a large scale. And it's truly crazy the amount of power that they have and what they're, like, able to get away with. But I guess for the framework for this episode, if this is good with you, I think it makes sense to tackle, and I've got these sectioned out, one, the problem with their current business model, two, the way that their business model works with like the different fees and everything, uh, and then kind of mix in there, I've got like notable fuse with famous artists. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, conflicts of interest, and then lastly, potential solutions. Yeah, I'm good with that. I think a little bit of history might might add some good context along the way too. Maybe we'll get into that earlier on. Let's just see how the conversation goes. Yeah, we can we can do the history. Uh I guess but is in terms of today in 2024, there's estimates that Ticketmaster controls 80% of the ticket market in North America, which by definition is almost, you know, monopolistic. Like it's crazy. Right. Yeah, and there are competitors. There's you know, companies like Axis that do sell tickets. StubHub, um, SeatGeek, GameTime. Yeah, right, right. There is... Vivid. Yeah. There's an issue that comes into play when, when Ticketmaster merges with Live Nation, and they essentially become this monolith that if artists or venues don't want to use Ticketmaster, you're basically fucked from, from performing at a majority of large venues around the country. Yeah, so... Ticketmaster merged with Live Nation, and Live Nation owns around 400 venues worldwide that host tens of thousands of shows every year as a promoter. Well, so they own those venues, but then on top of that, they have, uh, let's say, rental agreements or you know contracts that allow them to work with other massive stadiums aside from the ones they own. So you know, think your your NFL, MLB stadiums. They have massive contracts with those kinds of people too that have that are exclusive licensing deals to like put live nation artists in these stadiums right and one of the problems with that is for the venues that live nation owns for a lot of them they have these you know rules that essentially say you have to use Ticketmaster as the ticket distributor if you're going to play at this venue and that kind of came into play like you were saying at the start of the episode earlier or actually this has been in 2023 with taylor swift in the eras tour Right. It's been happening on a lesser scale for a while now. Um, and there are other issues at play that we'll probably tackle along the way. But, you know, when you think of a, a Bad Bunny, Adele, those are the two that come to mind that had similar issues with um, with presale tickets, where the presale kind of got it, it got it. Two things happened. One, Ticketmaster for a long time as, as an online venue has had a problem with bots buying tickets and then reselling at a, at a egregious markup. Um and then two, just the, the sheer quantity of people trying to get these tickets crashes the site and and causes similar issues where the bots are then able to get in there and, and scoop them up easy. Um, you know, so going to see, I would say, anybody in the top 
25 of the most popular artists in the world that'll come to the U.S. Uh, is incredibly difficult. Yeah, and th- it wouldn't necessarily be a problem that Live Nation owns all these venues and makes you use Ticketmaster if Ticketmaster's underlying business model wasn't so convoluted and, and had so many different co- conflicts of interest. Right. Which I think we should take a step back and s- and look at how Ticketmaster works in their current sure, setup. Sure, sure. So the way it currently works, the artist, the performer, has a manager. The manager is going to take, you know, roughly 15% of the gross of of the the concert, of the tour, whatever. The manager then works with the promoter. Live Nation. Right. And the promoter is the one that essentially takes the risk saying, uh, and there's different models of how the artist would get paid, but more often than not, it'd be like, I will guarantee you X amount of dollars for the performance at this venue at, at this date. The promoter then goes and negotiates with the venue to figure out the uh, number of seats, the production costs, all that stuff. All the logistics that go into a concert. To arrive at a total gross needed for the show. Mm-hmm. The venue is responsible for selling the tickets and some of the fees that go into the tickets. It's like the, the venue fee or right, whatever. Right, sure, sure. Uh, facility charges. What Parking, uh, yeah. you know, maintenance, stuff like that. And the promoter could hire a company to distribute the tickets, but most of the venues, and this is what we're just talking about, have contracts with Ticketmaster and or Live Nation that forces them to use Ticketmaster. And if you use, if you're a Live Nation, if you're an artist that's uh, working with Live Nation, almost exclusively you have to use, I think actually 100% exclusively you have to use Ticketmaster. And if you're an artist that wants to use Ticketmaster, you almost, almost exclusively have to perform at Live Nation venues. Yeah. So so let's say, all right, all that, that's kind of like the breakdown of how it might work from the artist standpoint. Who cares? Well, you care because as a consumer, when you go to buy a ticket, whether it be for a, you know, an artist or a comedy, whatever, you get hit with fees, fees, fees. And I've got a couple different screenshots here. Uh, these are done by, it was a great article from The Hustle. Uh, here's one for the Taylor Swift Eras Tour last year. Uh, they bought a couple different seats here. The ticket total, first of all, was $265 per ticket. And uh, so they bought six seats. That's $1,590. Sure. The fees for that order, $5 order processing fee, uh, $8 facility charge, which goes to the venue, okay. times six. So one for each ticket. Yeah. Okay. And then a $70.45 service fee for each ticket. So times six tickets. So the total before the fees... Fifteen hundred ninety dollars after fees two thousand sixty six, <laughs> which is absurd. Which is absurd. I got another one here from the Chili Peppers twenty twenty two. Eighty one dollars a seat and fifty cents for four tickets for a total of three hundred twenty six dollars. Three dollars forty nine cents order processing fee, four dollars times four for the facility charge, twenty one seventy five service fee times four, total after fees four hundred thirty eight dollars. Right, and so I should I should kind of break it up into two bits now because I think the the order processing fee and the the venue fee those seem reasonable and, and clearly by the prices that those two it's like three and four dollars a piece for the Red Hot Chili Peppers that seems reasonable. The service fee being absorbently higher than that, there's really one big issue is that they don't tell you what that service fee is. There's no clarity on that, and so uh, a little history on that. This has been an issue since Ticketmaster started doing tickets really um they 
they kind of they were bought in 1991 by Paul Allen, who was a big Microsoft exec, um, and he really like shot Ticketmaster way up into like the stratosphere in terms of like usage. Um, so much, and these service fees came along with that. That was part of the growth of Ticketmaster in the 90s. This this kind of boils to a head in 1994 when Pearl Jam says, you know what, fuck this. We're seeing these these tickets. These tickets cost X, and the service fee costs Y, which is a significant percentage of X. Why the fuck are are they allowed to gouge people when they have a, not, uh, a, a near monopoly on ticketing services? Um, it's gotten so bad to the point where Pearl Jam canceled their 1994-95 summer tour because they weren't going to gouge fans. To go see them. Yeah, so I've got more backstory on that. I'm glad you brought that up. So they were selling tickets for like 18 bucks at the time, and Ticketmaster service fees were ranging from 4 to $8, which at $8, that's almost half of the yeah, price of the ticket. Right. So Pearl Jam goes to Ticketmaster and says, hey, we'd like our fans, like a lot of our fans are just everyday people that are not made of money. Like we'd like our right. fans to be able to come see us at our shows. Could you set your service fees to just the cost of doing business, you know, mm-hmm. to around like two dollars, so that right. way people are only paying twenty dollars to get in, as opposed to twenty seven, twenty eight. Ticketmaster, you know, basically just said, "Go fuck, fuck yourself." Yeah. Like, there's no way we're doing that. <laughs> and uh, so Pearl Jam actually went to uh, Congress to try and get them to to you know make some changes, and unfortunately, none of those changes were made. But I don't did you I don't know if you heard about this when you were doing research for this, but allegedly Ticketmaster and and if you listen to interviews with different members of the band they'll still attest to this day allegedly Ticketmaster hired private investigators to follow them around to try and dig up any kind of dirt on them so that they could use that against them in like Jesus this public Christ. yeah how crazy is that you're a ticketing company fuck yourself i mean dude could you imagine like you're the drummer of pearl jam and you, yeah. just, you got some some goon some schmuck in yeah. the in the the blacked out tinted windows car like jesus, following dude. you jesus it's i mean that it's fucked up that alone should tell you everything you need to know it's also crazy i, I caught a bit of a podcast as i was riding over here today talking about this and which one out, uh it was con- congress uh let me pull it up here. oh because i was gonna say for this I, I listened to freakonomics did an episode on this and then stuff they don't want you to know did an episode and both of those were really good yeah i listened to a podcast called congressional dish um okay but basically I, they they put a couple of clips of um, Pearl Jam's like testimony in Congress about this, and it sounded to me like Pearl Jam made a pretty good case that Ticketmaster was a monopoly in the ticket marketing sphere, and Congress sat on that and basically said, "I don't fucking care. It's not my problem. Fuck these people," um, which is crazy. Their whole job is to less like they have a whole subcommittee that's for a long time. This has been a long-standing thing in America that's been like dedicated to dealing with antitrust issues. Um, and the subcommittee looked at this and said, wow, yeah, Ticketmaster really does have a lot of like market share in this space. Not my problem. Not big enough fish to fry. Fuck it. Yeah. I didn't mean to derail you, but I did want to talk about the Pearl Jam one. Sure, you sure. You yeah, know, it's good. It's, it's good. It's part of the story. Um, but anyways, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm lost. Where, well, so th- this uh, sidetrack stemmed from the service fees. Right. The service fees. It's just. It. it you're right. So when you're looking at 1994, 1995, they're adding eight dollar service fees. That's one thing. An eighty dollar service fee that doesn't 
and you can't go on Ticketmaster's website and like they might have a, a little like blurb that says like, oh, service fees does this, that and the other. But it doesn't really mean anything. It's it's word salad. It's nonsense. It doesn't really like actually describe what like service fees are going. To. And you can't see a breakdown. So the more so on the Freakonomics podcast that I listened to, they he had a couple different people from like around the industry and they kind of broke down the service fees as like some of it goes back to the promoters. Some of it goes to counteract uh the credit card fees that visa will charge the company sure a lot of it goes to Ticketmaster as like profit their right line right um but one of the guys that he interviewed basically said and this was interesting i didn't really think of it like this artists can get paid on like a a flat fee structure sure we'll give you 100 grand to perform at this venue at this day but they can also get paid on like a uh, per ticket basis per ticket basis and they can also get paid on like not just considering the primary market, but also based oh, on the sales wow. of the secondary market. Wow. So if an artist is expected to sell their tickets on the primary market for a hundred dollars and they know that on the secondary market, it's going to sell for four or $500, they might give them a flat fee based on somewhere in the middle mm, of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so that's something that I didn't really know, which is kind of, Right, and we should mention that too, that these service fees not only apply to box office tickets, they also apply to that secondary market. So every time a a ticket is sold, it has service fees. Then it goes back to the secondary market, and they get the same amount of, well, no, they get a a percentage. The percentage is the percentage. Whatever the percentage service fee is, is percentage. So it's even higher. But the amount they're making off the secondary market is much higher because the ticket's been marked up. So so in a way, you would think maybe Ticketmaster is incentivized to have the secondary market flourish, let's say. So you've reached, we've reached the crux of the argument here today or the, the crux of what the problem is. The problem is the secondary market because you get all these uh, scalpers and, you know, that's like the, the jargon term for it, but people that are using robots to buy, if Ticketmaster li- limits you to, I think it's like six or eight tickets at six, once. Yeah. So it's six, but they have 100 bots going. Uh, in on Freakonomics, he interviewed this one guy who ran a scalping company. He said for the Rose Bowl in I don't have the year here, but for one of the Rose Bowls, they gave out a thousand tickets to like the, the public. He said his company bought eight hundred of them. Jesus, which is like that's just one example. Yeah, that's an exploitation of the system. Yeah, but so uh, what I wanted to kind of bring up next with the scalping being a big problem is in 2018 there is this. Uh, journalist dave sieglund oh i know where you're going with this yeah so he was at a conference in las vegas uh this is an insane insane in like the fact that this hasn't been judiciated on is fucking absurd and you can go right now and search it on youtube go ahead just search dave sieglund Ticketmaster, and it'll come up basically he's at a convention there's a Ticketmaster stand there's employees working for Ticketmaster. it's on video and he's coming to them as a uh, journalist. Well, no, no, he's oh, he, he's posing as a scalper. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So he's coming to them, and he asked them. This is quote: "Will Ticketmaster be policing us on using multiple accounts? Meaning, if you're going, if I'm going to scalp as Joey Shattuck, yeah, or as Joey, Joey, Joey two, Joey three, yeah, yeah. So if I'm going by myself, I can only buy six tickets. Right. But if I create a hundred accounts, I can buy six hundred. So he's asking, will Ticketmaster be policing us on using multiple accounts? Ticketmaster guy goes, no." Which is crazy. And then, uh, 
Oh, well, I'm trying to find my other well, quote here. The other thing about that stand, right? Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, you're good. Uh, the other thing about that stand is that that stand was, uh, it was like a two, it was a two bit stand. There was the Ticketmaster end of it, but then there's this Ticketmaster kind of like subsidiary maybe or something along those lines. Ticketmaster sells a software that more or less enables scalpers to not buy tickets so much as um, as hold and resell tickets in bulk. Yes. So this the that is called Trade Desk. Trade Desk. And the way Trade Desk works is if you buy you know 100 tickets, you can sell those tickets and set your price higher or lower. But obviously, when they're scalping, it's higher 90% of the time so that you can mass sell these tickets, right? Like you can sell a block of them at a time. Yeah, right, right. And uh, so Trade Desk, this is part of their verified resale partner program. If you go to their website, you can't find it Nothing on their website. On Nothing. You have to submit a request to even get invited to join this as a reseller mm-hmm. or scalper. Yeah. Uh, but what's crazy is they were also saying on video like that some of these like resellers have like over 200 different accounts. Right, right. Because again, you can only buy six on one account, but you can scale your accounts infinitely as much as you can handle so think of it this way if you have one guy with 200 accounts times six tickets limited for purchase 1200 that's 1200 if you have scalper yeah yeah, now imagine you have a thousand guys doing that and then you think oh well it's no wonder every show sells out and all the primary market tickets get sold up in like three minutes and then you you just get reamed on the resale yeah and at this conference these guys were allegedly and i I'll say allegedly recruiting professional scalpers to learn how to cheat the Ticketmaster system to advance their reselling business. So they were teaching Ticketmaster scalpers to scalp Ticketmaster because that inherently increases Ticketmaster's profit when they get those the service fees, fees on the resale tickets. Yeah, that's that is so criminal and like scummy and absurd. It's fucking insane. And the fact that the, the DOJ hasn't ruled on this or really even, like, discussed it, as far as I can, I can tell, uh, I, I just – I don't know how that's legal, man. Dude, I don't I don't either. And so after the video came out, Ticketmaster, like, publicly, they're like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we've already launched our own internal investigation. Uh, this, is, this is untrue or whatever. It's like, dude, there's somebody on camera saying that this is what's going on. It's a bit like if you're a hammer maker and you sell hammers, but you put a little notch in the the, blo- the, like the handle of the hammer. That way the hammer breaks way too early and you're the only hammer salesman in, in all of USA. If that's not, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy because it, the way that the current revenue model for Ticketmaster works is they're incentivized to have as many resales on the Ticketmaster platform as possible. If they have their own system that helps scalpers resell the tickets on Ticketmaster, and they get to double dip, triple dip, quadruple dip on the service fees each time. And guess what? When you sell the ticket at a higher price, when Taylor Swift's ticket goes on sale for two hundred bucks and someone buys it, and then someone resells it for a thousand, sells it for a thousand or two thousand, that percentage of the service fee that they can charge goes up and up and up. It's not even, it's not even like uh, a speculation that it is wildly more in Ticketmaster's interest to promote resale tickets as opposed to their box office tickets. It, it's almost like their box office tickets are just a gateway to getting to the resale market. Oh, that's a great point. And that brings me to another noticeable artist beef. So in 2009, the boss, a.k.a. Bruce Springsteen, uh, goes on tour. And 
he notices or he hears this from fans. Fans go to buy tickets for Bruce Springsteen on Ticketmaster. They get redirected to a site called Tickets Now, which is, guess what? It's also owned by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster's resale market. Where the prices were gauged from two to ten times as high as what they were selling for on Ticketmaster. And there were still seats available on Ticketmaster at, like, the box office price. And some of Springsteen's fans were getting charged ten times that. Because when you get redirected, like, if you get redirected from a site, it's also preying on you psychologically. Well, you're saying, oh, like, these must be scarce. The prices are higher. Like, I got to get mine before it sells out. (laughs) Mind you, Ticketmaster is getting the uh, 15% cut from the Ticket Now sales. And they're making money twice again. So Bruce Springsteen is obviously big enough where he makes a fuss about it. And Ticketmaster ends up issuing an apology and then issuing the price difference from, like, what the, the upcharge was. But it's essentially they're getting caught. They got caught stealing, and then they just said, "Oh, we'll give you the like, you know, we'll give you the money that we stole back." Yeah. It's, like, it's it's just crazy that they're able to get away with these types of things for so long. There's one other policy or practice that they have that I find abhorrent, and it's dynamic pricing. This is maybe just a cause and effect, very capitalism thing, uh, but they have this thing called dynamic pricing where. If you when you open the box office, a ticket costs X and as tickets sell, the the price of the ticket fluctuates by how quickly the tickets are selling. So if you're Taylor Swift and you have dynamic pricing, say. The ticket might cost X, but as dynamic pricing or as the tickets sell, the dynamic pricing has upped and upped and upped even the box office ticket sales. So by the time uh, you get to say you go from 20,000 tickets to 3,000 tickets available, you may, you may be paying 1.5, two times what you paid for the, or what the first people paid for the ticket just for the box office ticket. Right. I don't know how that's okay either. That's fucking crazy. And I guess that's all to say this wouldn't really be an issue. Ticketmaster would be out of business, except that they're pat- partnered with Live Nation, which is the largest promoter, the largest operator of venues, across the country maybe around the world which which basically excludes you from not using one or the other together you're you're basically as an artist you're fucked and as a consumer you're fucked because the artists are fucked right and there was some rumblings in 2019 the department of justice basically found that live nation exerted pressures on venues to sign with Ticketmaster or not receive Live Nation shows. Right. But they still didn't do anything about it. And that was, you know, Four five years, five five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Um, one of the things we didn't touch on that I think is important is the reason why there's such a discrepancy between the primary market and the secondary market. And a lot of that is when artists, artists don't want to be perceived as gouging their fans. Right? So like, Taylor Swift knows she could put all her tickets, you know, the lowest ticket in the nosebleeds for five, six, seven hundred bucks or whatever, and people buy it. But you don't want to be perceived like that. So you essentially charge or say that you want lower ticket prices to your manager and the promoter, knowing that you're leaving money on the table because of your public perception. For, right, for long term returns. So at the end of the day, there's like this excess value of like profit. And instead of it going to the artist, 
or getting kicked back to the consumer, it gets split between Ticketmaster and the scalpers. Right. Which then also kicks back to the venue a little bit too. But at the end of the day, it's like there's just it's just, the money's just going to the wrong place. It's one of the things about scalpers I just remember too here. So before the Taylor Swift tickets go on sale, right? You got all these pre access codes and whatnot and Ticketmaster had said, Hey, we developed a serious anti bot software. Um, this new software that we'll be using will significantly reduce the ability for bots to consume these tickets. That was not the case at all. They they let go of like 1.5 million access codes um, for people across the country to, to join in and try to buy tickets. And I think when they kicked off the box office, 14, 14 million, million people I read signed on to try to, to try to get these tickets, which is wildly out of the scope of even like it, it's much more than they expected. But then it's even like double what like the let me say this right. If they expected 1.5 million to jump on, a ridiculous number of people to jump on might have been like three, four million. Yeah, right. To then triple that number, quadruple that number, is clear evidence that bots were not at all negated in and, trying to obtain these tickets. And this was part of the reason Taylor Swift was mad because she had conversations with them saying, hey, do you guys have the infrastructure to support this? Because there's going to be a lot of people trying to get these tickets. And they said, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> naturally what do you think <laughs> what do you think we are <laughs> meanwhile they're they're more or less like they put up like a, a, a <laughs> uh, they put up like a paper wall basically and said oh this will keep the the scalpers out when in in truth they're in business with the scalpers yeah and another thing that i i forgot to weave in earlier was uh, for a ticket sale, between 30 and 50% of that ticket sale usually goes to covering the costs mm-hmm. of the event. Sure. And then of that remainder, around 85% of that will go to the performer uh, and then 15% like to the promoter. Sure. And then that's where, like like I said earlier, parts of the service fees go to different you know, parties that sure, are involved. Sure. Yeah, and that all makes sense. It's it's Oh, also, the venue oftentimes gets to hold like 20% of the tickets in... They've the, there's been venues that have sold those to like scalpers. They just sell that to like blocks and scalpers because yeah. they know, like they know that they're gonna get the kickback from the higher prices. It's fucking crazy, dude. It's just crazy that nobody has done anything about it because it's so like blatantly wrong. So this all, maybe not all, but there was a big congressional hearing last year um, after the Taylor Swift thing, and it was kind of a ridiculous hearing. You had senators talking to these people at Ticketmaster Live Nation. Dropping Taylor Swift lines while arguing that, t- t- that Ticketmaster Live Nation is a monopoly. It was an absurd <laughs> hearing. Yeah. Um, but and, and Joe Biden has, has said, oh, you know, this is an issue. Our, our DOJ, our people are going to you know, tackle this. He, he, he's, he was supposed to pass an act that would make the fees because this is another part we didn't we didn't bring up. The fees aren't transparent. When you go and select your ticket on Ticketmaster, it'll say $40 plus fees. You don't get yeah. to see what the fees are until you're putting in your credit card information, <laughs> right. which is wildly wrong and like that's an easy thing that they could 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 correct and again even once you do see the fees it's not super clear what they even cost. but again it's it's playing on you psychologically right because oh you've got these you've got these seats they're not going to last long oh oh i oh once you've gotten that far it's not forty dollars it's sixty dollars ticket oh but i don't want to lose my seats oh let me i'll just pay it it's right right a little psychological warfare again it's just it's just criminal that they like that's the that would be the easiest law to pass just to say, hey, you have to put plus twenty dollars in fees when you're looking when you're browsing your seats. 
So anyways, you were saying, though, uh, Joe Biden was supposed to pass. Oh, I don't know. Um, just anti-competitive or antitrust like reductions on Ticketmaster. I, I, I could have sworn from my reading it said something was passed, but clearly not because that was from like 2022 or 2023. And I went on Ticketmaster today and I didn't. It still does not. Yeah. So that's yeah. the thing, right? Like this issue has been pro- these ish, some of these issues that we've been talking about have been prevalent with Ticketmaster since the early 90s. These issues were wildly uh, exploited as of 2010 when Ticketmaster merged with Live Nation and have been absurdly like abused since. Yeah, so I've got a stat on that too. Since the partnership with Live Nation, uh, the rise in like fees has risen to, on average, 30% of a ticket's face value, whereas before it was in the mid-20s. Right, and so so the the mixture of not being able to get a ticket at the box office and not being able to pay the amount that uh, scalpers are are charging for these tickets has made going to see again any of these. Maybe let me rephrase that. Well, let's just say any of the top art or top performers in the maybe big five or six genres, right? Pop, country, hip hop, rock, yeah, um, whatever. You get my point. It's become nearly impossible to go see these people for the average person due to the two issues I just mentioned. Um, and and Cong- Congress doesn't seem to be super ready to, to pounce on them. They're happy to, to make a make a face and, you know, call them the antiheroes in, in Congress at hearings. Um, but in, or, in, in, in actuality, they're not doing dick either. No. Um, and so I don't know what you do, man. Like there are competitors. There are competitors. There's. There's another big group that's it's a merged group as well, AEG Axis, um, which is a significantly, significantly smaller company. And we've already mentioned a number of, of other ticketing uh, yeah. you know, promoters. Um, but, a- but when Ticketmaster has 80% of the market share and the next basic business group maybe has 4% of the market share um, and then the smaller groups even less, it doesn't fucking matter because they're not all going to come together because they want to compete with each other. And Ticketmaster's not going to do dick until Congress makes them do something. Right. And that was part of the Taylor Swift debacle because they were with AEG Access and they were trying to not use Ticketmaster. And, the, and they were basically told because the venues, like which are a lot of like football stadiums, right. Big, are Live Nation venues. Right. And so Live Nation wouldn't let them perform there unless they use Ticketmaster. Yeah. So I read a study too, or uh, I didn't, somebody conducted a study. Basically, they looked at 40 different tickets to different various concerts including the eras tour from taylor swift uh with the average fees taking up 28 percent of a ticket's face value so regardless of whether you're seeing taylor swift or you know some local performer like you're still paying an extra 20 to 30 percent on average right and i think maybe a bit of context here would help right so like i would say the average ticket for us to go see a, a big artist not huge artist at one of our two big venues here or one of three four something like that so let's say Pine Knob, uh, Little Cities Arena, Ford Field, something like that. Yeah. The average cost is somewhere between eighty and one hundred twenty dollars before fees. So if you're marking that up another thirty percent on top of that, that means you're paying somewhere between a hundred and one hundred sixty dollars um, per show, and that's that's fucking absurd. And that's not even good seats. Yeah. yeah. It's not even good seats. You know, like I, I don't know. 
obviously like these these concerts keep selling out concerts are, are huge you know regardless of the ticket prices the concerts keep fucking selling well they out. sell out too because of the scalpers i know but like they put asses in seats too yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like the scalpers are holding on right, to these tickets right, right. and so that means somebody's paying these scalpers who is uh, back to the context i just had if if we get charged a hundred dollars a ticket then the scalpers charging a buck eighty and then we're paying two thirty, two forty to go see this person. If yeah, we're getting it from a scalper. You know, it's like, fuck, man. How does anybody? How does anybody go to these shows? Or how do you? How do you make it to more than one show a year? Even you know, like, like you. And this is this is an issue with festivals too. I, I think to a lesser degree because that ticket cost wraps up like, you know, anywhere from twenty to fifty artists. But, um. It's become absurd. It's not a. It's it's not sustainable. It's also I was listening to an interview with uh, one of the producers for Hamilton, so Broadway show, and he was saying too, like even though they were like once Hamilton kind of like, you know, blew up, Teetered, yeah. they like you know, doubled their ticket prices over the year to right. like, it was like a hundred hundred forty bucks or whatever. Sure. Uh, but he was saying too, like, or or no, maybe it wasn't a hundred hundred forty bucks. It was the the gross revenue or something for that year was like a hundred forty million. But the secondary market for Hamilton was like double that. <laughs> so, and, and basically what he was saying, the way the Broadway productions work are like in order to make money, like the show has to be one of like the big hits. Yeah. Like you don't make money on just a, a regular Broadway show. Right, right. So he was saying like, you know, we got this big hit and the investors and the producers are like missing out on all, like millions of dollars because they're just getting reamed on the, yeah, right. the secondary market. Right. It's it's fucked up. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't identify any other issues. I mean, we've been talking for 30 minutes about the issues with Ticketmaster Live Nation. Yeah, so you want to get into the solutions? I've got a couple ideas. I'd, I'd like to hear it. Okay. So this one I kind of took from one of the guys that was interviewed on Freakonomics. But essentially the idea here, which this is my favorite of the ideas, is to give the artist a choice to ban resale. That was what I was going to bring up. So it's kind of like you buy an right, like when you buy an airplane ticket, you, you can't resell it to yes, somebody. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's yours. You have to show your name, your ID. And I think this ultimately gives the right people the benefits. It sure. gives you and I the benefits because over the long run, if we buy tickets to five shows a year, even if we only if we don't make one of them, over the long run, we're still going to profit. Sure. From getting tickets that are 30% cheaper, 40%, yeah. 50% cheaper. Yeah. It also gives the artist a chance to increase the price that they charge for their baseline tickets. That's what I was going to say. If you ban resale, you can up the char- the base cost. Yes. Yeah. So uh, doing it this way, I think consumers over the long run would be fine with saying, okay, well, if I can't go, then I'm just kind of shit out of luck. Or maybe there's something where I can pay like five bucks to transfer it to a friend. I don't know what, what that would be. But. Right. So that, the. Again, it doesn't make a massive difference when you look at a good, not great artist. When you look at an artist like Taylor Swift, if a if a if a box off ticket office ticket right now costs two hundred dollars, and the scalper sells it for fifteen hundred dollars, but when you do the no resale, the box office ticket goes up to three fifty. You've saved yourself lots almost of money. A, almost a thousand dollars. Yeah, no more than a thousand dollars in my in my example. Uh, that that's a no brainer. Yeah, and. This this solution would prevent the bo- the bots and scalpers. Uh, it would benefit the artists. It would benefit the consumer. It would you know it would hurt Ticketmaster. But again, who cares? Like that's right. They're the bad guys. In Fuck this. Ticketmaster. Yeah. yeah. So that's one solution. I think that's the best one in the long run. 
Um, another one that I think I came up with this one would be to cap the amount that a reseller can raise the price of a ticket. I know this is kind of like anti-capitalism, but yeah. if you set a, let's say a 20% cap. So sure. if you, if, if, uh, if you're a scalper and you buy the Taylor Swift ticket for 200 bucks, yeah. the most you could sell it for would be 240. Or what if, what if. If you wanted to resell a ticket, it just instantly got marked up a small percentage and you had no control over it. Say I buy a ticket for 100 bucks and I want to resell it, it's instantly marked up 15% and it goes up for a buck 15. Mhm. Instead of instead of giving that leeway, it's kind of a, it's it's essentially a very similar thing to what you're saying, but that way it takes the control out of everybody's hand. You can't overprice it, you can't you can't really do anything. If you want to resell it, it costs a buck 15 and this is what we're doing. Yeah. And going back to what I said too, if, if you set a cap at like 20 or 25% or whatever, like scalpers can still play the game, but it's just, they're not, not nearly as profitable. Exactly. So they're not as incentivized to buy right. hundreds of tickets. Right. And again, like Ticketmaster could still make money that way. Scalpers could still make money, the, the good ones. And I, that would benefit consumers and, or you just, you just make resale. You say resale, is going to be the same price as the box office. You just set resale at the same price as the box office. Ticketmaster in this fucked up world still gets all their service fees. Again, they double their service fee. And Well, yeah, but you're not going to get double the volume because people aren't going to be buying it to resell it at the same price. Right. That's what I'm saying. People, You won't have scalpers reselling. It'll, it'll be oh. truly like, I need to resell this ticket. Like, I, you know, something yeah, came up. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm forced to resell the ticket for what I bought it for. There's no, there's no incentive to resell except for necessity for outside influence, you know? Right. But yeah, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, like Ticketmaster's not going to, they're going to have to get pressured by like, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing, right? It's like, there's no way of forcing Ticketmaster to do anything without congressional action. And Congress is it, being shitheads about this. This is so far down their list of priorities that they can they can sit there and, and you know, uh, whatever. It's uh, say nonsense into a mic, but at the end of the day, they aren't doing anything. So. Yeah, but no, I think if the artist had the chance to ban resale, I do think that would solve pretty much everything. And that's like, again, if you, you put it in the artist's hands, right? And it's not... It's not like you're forcing anyone to do anything, but they have the option to yeah. benefit themselves and right. benefit their fans. Right. And, and explain it. Hi, I'm Taylor Swift. No resale on this tour. Ticket prices are going up, but I, I promise you, you won't be paying $1,500 to sit in the, the upper pole. Yeah, exactly. That's it. No, who's going to say no to that other than Ticketmaster? Other than Ticketmaster. Yeah. The other solution, which they actually tried this um, a few years back, is to auction the tickets. Mm. because then you get people yeah. over the course of a couple of days value. getting the market value. And they actually found when they did this that the auction price ended up being like within a couple percentage points of what like the secondary market price was. Oh. <laughs> well, but that like that's how you know you're getting to the, yeah, the price point. Value. Yeah. But in this scenario, the money is going to the artist, right? Because right, it's the auction right, price. Right. But what they found from doing this was that consumers didn't like it because it's like – Yeah, yeah. It's just – it's it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So. Not everybody's built to, to live in that world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the uh, another solution would essentially be either like some kind of blockchain technology or a verified fan program that's just better than the one that Ticketmaster has already because they have one but it's 
like like you said with the Taylor Swift and uh, it's already been debunked. And it's it, already it, yeah exactly. It's it's been debunked and it wouldn't shock me to find out that Ticketmaster was involved in helping them debunk this software. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, I wouldn't. Dis- I'm with you on that. So yeah, I don't know. If there's no, I mean, there's nothing you can do now except call your congressman and hope for the best. Because um, Ticketmaster certainly has no incentive to change anything. And any of the solutions we just proposed, they don't have any incentive to do that. So. If, if, if you're serious about this, call your congressperson, call your congresspeople, see what you can do to, to take any action on this. But it's just it, it's an absurdity in the world of, of entertainment. Yeah, it's one of the like rare scenarios where it's like the bad guys are the only ones winning and, and reaping all the benefits. And something that just came to me, too, that that strikes me is like there are monopolies in, in America. There are certain fields that somewhat necessitate monopolies or like a duopoly for instance um like building airplanes is a bit of a monopoly really the the i'm talking like like commercial jet jets so airbus and boeing are really the only two players in the market they're allowed to be the only two players in the market because the startup costs to have a company that builds commercial jet airliners is absorbent it's it's so like impossible to to attain that kind of funding to start up another one say i wanted to start uh joeing <laughs> yeah it, it would be so exorbitant to to gather the funds to to build that company to compete with boeing or airbus that it's not realistic so monopolies exist this however is not a field where the startup costs and the logistics that go into building a ticketing company a promotion company are so absorbent that nobody else is able to do it because there are plenty of other people who would like to do it. Yeah. It's, it's truly crazy that they were allowed to merge with Live Nation. Yeah, that... that like, that's the, There had to have been some backdoor deals. That feels shady as shady gets. Yeah. It's allegedly. crazy. So, yeah. Um, that's all I got on Ticketmaster. It's a bit of a downer, but, you know, enjoy your shows this summer. Um, I did enjoy doing the prep for this, though. Yeah, no, it's fascinating, man. I love, like, these deep dive kind of, like, it's just an interesting topic. It's not something that, like, you'll see Twitter posts and shit like that. You know, all my homies hate Ticketmaster. Um, but to have a lot more context and, like, understanding of what's actually going on is fascinating. Yeah, 100%. All righty, guys. Um, that's all we got for this week's episode, then. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, next week, we are getting into Dire, dire Straits. Straits. Yeah, so we're doing a little bit of back and forth. We're going to do four weeks where we'll do uh, two episodes of Dire Straits and then two episodes of Queens of the Stone Age, and they will alternate. So one Dire, one Queens, one Dire, one Queens. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Flip the Record. Uh, like, review, subscribe on Apple and Spotify, and thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one.